When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back, everybody, to a very special edition of the English version of Messi and Co. I am your host, Austin Robillard. Join with me today again, as always, Ashley and Gian. We have a very special show for you lined up. Uh, New York Red Bulls preview. We're finally getting in to MLS action. That's right. Uh, Lionel Messi has not played in MLS yet, but tomorrow night, Saturday night, we will finally get to see it happen, or will we? We will discuss all of that and more. Uh, coming off the back of a crazy final, or sorry, semifinal, I should say, against FC Cincinnati um, in what was another penalty shootout. You had the Nashville shootout just before that. Uh, what a what a time to be an Inter-Miami fan and supporter. And for everybody watching and tuning in around the world, uh, we've got some numbers for you lined up about the impact and everything like that in today's show. So make sure you stick around. Uh, we have some great content for you. We're going to Get a quick word from one of our amazing podcast sponsors, and and we'll start off with a good one. If you are ready to transform your backyard into a haven of relaxation and luxury, look no further than our amazing podcast sponsor, Lacqua Azura Pool Services. With over 20 years of industry experience, Lacqua Azura is a name you can trust when it comes to services, equipment repairs, and restoration for all things pools. If you're looking in the South Florida area for your pool to be serviced on a month-to-month basis, Lacqua Azuda posts an impressive five-star rating on Google reviews, and it's a testament to their dedication to the customer satisfaction and top-notch service. Also, if you mention Messi & Co., you will get your first month of pool service absolutely free. So don't wait. For pool service, patio renovation, or more, call them now at 954-793-7206 and get a free quote for any project. Thanks, Lacqua Azuda. All right, so welcome in. If you were one of the few people in the United States who missed uh, Wednesday's semifinal against Cincinnati, I'm sure you've already seen the highlights by now and everything that Messi and Messi and co pulled off Messi and Campana really pulled off there uh, to send that game into extra time. And then Joseph Martinez scoring. And it was just a exciting game from really the second half on and the numbers are beginning to really show that. And there's been a lot of profitability uh, among Lionel Messi when it comes to these competitions and you know the the networks that provide the service. Ashley, you have a couple of things to add on here and, and explain to all of us what are what are you seeing right now from Lionel Messi's impact to the TV networks and, and so on. Yeah, absolutely. I think that you know we were all Wednesday night exhausted mentally and physically <laughs> um, as if we had to play the last two games to penalties. Um, but 
outside of just social media, which is something we talk about as a theme, you know, with all the great angles and high definition video that MLS and um, the U.S. Open Cup, the League's Cup are putting out, um, it's obviously making a huge impact. I mean, the second assist that Messi did in, in extra time was one of the most spectacular passes that I feel like we've all seen in a while. And uh, we've gotten to see it from every single angle, like the all 22, as you would say in NFL. Um, so yeah, social, it's continuing to get those millions of views. Uh, but this is the first non-Apple TV broadcast, right? That we had this past Wednesday. And I think that's part of another thing that uh, MLS is seeing is, you know, what is his impact on the United States, right? And so I have two really, really interesting, in my opinion, uh, sources of analytics. First of all, from the incomparable Michelle Kaufman from the Miami Herald. Uh, per Nielsen ratings, during Inter-Miami's action-packed shootout victory over Cincinnati, Telemundo ranked number one network overall, regardless of language, in the time slot of New York, Miami, San Francisco, and D.C. So not even the English broadcast, the Spanish broadcast in four major cities was the number one program being watched on network TV. And that, so that's Telemundo. And now from CBS, uh, there, there's three things that happened, basically. First, it was the most new users ever to the Pluto TV platform, which is obviously something that they had that people couldn't get to watch a free event. It was the most watched live event ever on that platform. CBS Sports Golasso Network, largest day ever in households. And then it was the number six most stream match ever for Paramount and CBS. And just to give you a little context on that, they've had the UEFA Champions League for the last however many years. So already this was the sixth most watched ever streamed soccer game. So just to give you, and this is a Wednesday night. Okay. Like, you know, let's, let's have some perspective here in Cincinnati, Ohio. Yeah. That is just to show that is the messy effect. That is you you will see many records continue to be broken, both in traditional cable situations, uh, even though they'll be rare because MLS obviously with Apple TV, but whenever there's chances for other uh, domestic platforms to be able to use their media to display messy, you're going to see these numbers break the roof. I mean, to be the CBS sports Golasso networks, most watched thing ever in households. That's crazy. That's crazy. You know, yeah. so I just wanted to shed a little light on it. And yeah, you, you're right. The Paramount plus and the CBS sports network has the champions league. They have yeah, Europa the league. They have conference league. league. Um, I believe they have the Brazilian Serie A and another, another, you know, couple of leagues they have italian syria too the italian syria exactly and that's that's where i've watched all my champions league games i don't know about you guys but yeah, that is my that is, that's it's paramount points always k abdo michael richards jamie carragher terry on reed that the amazing ray hudson awesome some games. Right. yep yep so <laughs> that crew is awesome and, and that's where a lot of the champions league you know coverage in the united states of america is and has been for quite some time since they've really jumped onto the scene um since bleacher report you know ended up getting rid of it and, and whatnot um so it's crazy to think that a game like you said held in cincinnati ohio is is competing with numbers for european top flight competitions that's kind of um insane and it just proves the value of messi's you know choice to come here and there are more big games to come. If they make a playoff push, I can only imagine what it looks like down the stretch. And of course, on September 27th, 
despite being the, the game being at Drive Pink Stadium at home for South Florida. But that game was also going to be televised, I'm sure, through CBS, who has the rights to the U.S. Open Cup. So another huge game, at least in a month from now, to look out for. Gian, any 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 thoughts here? Um, yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, what, what we continue to see with Inter Miami, what we continue to see with Messi, it's just like we continue to see these thrillers. I think we kind of thought that they were going to steamroll over everybody. And the fact that some of these games, while we have steamrolled over some teams, some of these games continue to be to the last minute. Uh, a lot of um, Messi just putting the team on his back. Certain players just, I mean, going above and beyond what we've even seen from them on this team just leads to those numbers that Ashley was talking about. People are, it's like that saying, are you not entertained? <laughs> like, man, like there's, this is not just soccer fans, but I, I, I assume you guys have probably had some of the same experiences where friends or people are asking you about Messi, asking you about Inter Miami. And I'm thinking, I'm like, I didn't even know you knew about like Inter Miami. Another friend was a friend at work the other day. Actually, actually asked me about Campana. I'm like Campana. I mean, do you even watch soccer? What are my yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's just amazing how we're seeing like, we're attracting so many people to the MLS to Miami to watch our players who maybe never have been you know, interested in this sport, interested in this team. And that just goes to show how much uh, the, the Messi, the Messi effect and what the Moss brothers have done and what Beckham has done to bring a spotlight on our soccer. And it's just something beautiful to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I'll make a really quick, I'll make a really quick bold prediction statement that we can all, we can look back at this and, and see if I was right before we move topics. So the game is going to be September 27th, right? Uh, which is a Wednesday, I believe. Uh, and it will be televised on CBS. I will say now that it will it will get more views than the NFL Sunday slate that week on wow. CBS. Just that game. Not, not all of them, but I'm just saying like that Wednesday game, I bet you is going to have more viewers than the any other CBS uh, NFL game that week. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm gonna mark that one down because you still owe us from when Messi didn't speak English, Ashley. So I'm gonna mark. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm gonna look for that one on Prize Picks. See if yeah, I can yeah. find that one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll we'll uh, see. That's, that's my bold, maybe too bold prediction, but that's that's what I think we're we're starting to deal with, and it's I, final. People like to watch championships. I I don't think it's far fetched at all, to be honest with you. Which is so crazy to say that U.S. Open Cup is competing with NFL, but at this point, with Messi on the roster, it's 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 there. It's a valid valid point. Um, <clears throat> with all that said, we we have a game tomorrow night as we're recording this on Friday, Saturday night. Inter Miami are taking on New York Red Bulls. Finally, getting into MLS action. It'll be Lionel Messi's first MLS action uh, since he joined the team it, back in July. Uh, they've had two games, I think, two or three games since he actually joined, but he was not eligible to play just yet. <laughs> and he started in League's Cup, of course. And now, finally, they have these 12 games starting Saturday night to try and make a push for the playoffs. Um, and there are some causes for concern when it comes to the schedule that they have just endured, the schedule they will continue to endure, the fatigue of the players. And we saw it in the last couple of matches and just how tired it looked at times. Um, and, and so there's a lot for us to cover, but I really want to start with um, 
what you guys think may happen because I, I'm under the impression, especially after the press conference today with Tata Martino and David Ruiz, it was said actually that they had not even trained since the Cincinnati game. They didn't train yesterday at all. They left Cincinnati, uh, got to New York, I believe this afternoon or this morning, had the press conference, and they were going to have an evening session. So they, they took as much time off as they possibly could, um, according to Tata Martino, and they still hadn't even assessed what they would do with Lionel Messi. Tata Martino said that the, no decision had been made. They were going to wait for the session, the Friday night session, and, and have conversations between the coaching staff and the player and other players, um, all themselves, to decide what's going to happen. So I don't think that they have gone into this knowing what, what to do. And with about 24 hours to kick off without having that decision, it kind of makes it seem like it probably won't be a start for Lionel Messi, but you never really know because then you have somebody like David Ruiz who also spoke today and said that, you know, the team knows they have to win every single game. It's their duty to go out and, and, you know, compete because they have to, they, they are in a position in the playoff push that is not really favorable and every single game is important. With all of that said, what are your guys' predictions? Does Lionel Messi get on the, the starting sheet? Does he come off the bench in the second half? Is it at halftime? Is it in the 60th minute? Does it depend on the flow of the game? I mean, where do we stand and what do you think is really the right move um, for Tata Martino, Ashley? Well, those are two very different questions. I To start with, what is the right thing to do? I have absolutely no idea. Again, it's like when we're talking about the formation. I have no idea. Um, I think that this is probably one of the few players in the world where it's it's like literally it's his it's his decision. I think I think or he'll be honest enough to say like yes, start me maybe or if you need to, I can. I don't know if it's the right like you know. I think he would be the one to say it, um, and the coaching staff would listen. My prediction: um, I don't I don't think he's going to start. Um, I don't think that all three will be benched. So I don't think him, Busquets and Alba will all start on the bench. I don't know what exactly it will look like, but one or two of them will, will start. I think, um, I can, and again, I agree. It's based on the flow of the game. I would say he's probably going to come on on the 50, 55, 60, unless it's like a big, you know, fire, maybe halftime, um, but if it's a game that's like within reach or it's, you know, anyone's game or, you know, only one goal up, I would say he's going to come in in the 50 to 60th minute. Yeah, yeah I, I so I know that at least from the quotes, we realize that this team understands the magnitude of what is in front of them now that they're beginning in, in the MLS league playoff push. We've heard that from Tata. We've heard that from Ruiz and and many others, right? So we know that they take every game important and they know that they still have a chance to, to continue. Uh, with that, we also know that they've logged a lot of minutes in this League's Cup, in the U.S. Open uh, semifinal that they just played. We've got players into the like almost 800 minutes of gameplay logged in such a short amount of time. So I think that it's going to be really important to figure out a way to make sure you rest key players without risking your ability to win these games. And that's what Tata gets paid the big bucks for, right? So he's got to make that decision. He's also said that 
he's going to allow Messi more than anything to make this decision. But then he also said something recently where he said, if it was up to Messi, he'd probably play every game. So I think, whereas I, I feel like that mindset is kind of changing a little bit. And he's like, I might have to make the decision for him, right? So what I think is going to happen, or maybe what I would like to happen, is to see some of the key players get their rest. I, I don't think Messi's going to start. I don't think he should start. I'm looking at this game and I'm seeing New York Red Bulls, right? That's who we're facing. I'm seeing a team that's 11th in the Eastern Conference. They're, they have two wins, three losses in their last five games. They've got only four wins in their last 10 games. They're only averaging a little above one goal per game in their last 10 matches. So they're not a team that scores a lot. They're not a team that's very dangerous, in, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, we lost to them, I believe, our last game in May, but that was under a different coach, completely different team, dealing with injuries. So I'm not overly scared about this team. I, I actually, I'm not scared of any team, but I mean, I'm trying to be objective here. So, but this team, I'm not necessarily scared of them. So I think that if there's any time that you're going to rest players, I think it's going to be against this team after such a, a tough stretch of um, the amount of time played. So I agree with what Ashley said. I don't think they're going to rest all three. I, I don't think you do that. I think you have to keep at least one of the three between Messi, Busquets, and Alba, right? You've got to have at least one of them. So if I've got to choose between those three to see who is going to stay on the field, to me, Messi is one of the ones that has locked the most minutes, and he's the oldest. You've got Busquets, uh, I believe, has logged the second amount of minutes between those three. And Alba seems to be the freshest. Well, I, um, so I think Alba's going to start. I think Alba's going to be there. I think our back line's going to be almost the same. I think you rest Christoph because he's the, old, the, the, older, the older from that, that defensive line. He's also the one that's logged the most minutes. So I can see Kamal and Aviles starting as center backs, and then you still got Yedlin on the right. So you've got... Two, two veterans on the on the team. You've got your captain in Yedlin. You've got Jordi Alba. So at, at least you're pretty well set there. I see Arroyo probably coming in for Busquets along with John Mota. Well, let's give him a second chance. I know it was a bit tough on him uh, on our post game, So we'll give him a second chance. I, I To me, the if, if is, is it going to be Gomez or is it going to be Kremaski? That, that to me is it. Kremaski's young. I think he can handle the, 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 the load of, of time that he's played. But... I, I would lean towards Diego Gomez. Let's let's give him an opportunity, and and I, I think Kremaski sits, and then Facundo Farias has to see minutes, right? I mean, after what we saw, and if there was ever a time to start getting him acclimated to that starting role, I think I see I think we see Facundo Farias from the start. I think we see Leo Campana. You rest Joseph, and then on the right, to me, on the right wing, that's where I'm I'm iffy. Taylor is logged minutes. Do you want to put Taylor in? Do you want to put Robbie Robinson in? So I, I think there's a bit to play with there, but that's kind of like what I see right now. I, I definitely see Messi and Busi sitting. I see Alba starting, and then you can kind of tinker between there and try to figure it out, but we won't know until tomorrow, but I, I definitely see some players resting for sure. So here's here's where between the League's Cup and the U.S. Open Cup, the, the number of players who have logged the most minutes for Inter-Miami this far. Drake Callender obviously has played every single minute, 750. The second player under Drake Callender is Sergei Kristov with 733 minutes. Under him is Lionel Messi, 684. Under Lionel Messi, Sergio Busquets, 678. Then you have Yedlin, Miller, Taylor, Arroyo, all above 600. 
Joseph Martinez after not starting last match with 512. Jordi Alba coming in a little bit later at 501. And then just under Jordi Alba is 461 minutes. So those are the guys who have been... Jordi Alba already have over 500 minutes? 501 minutes for Jordi Alba. That surprises me because I I feel like he's been going out for Noah. Like I feel like Noah Allen's been getting a good amount and he came later than everyone. That really surprises me. Noah hasn't seen the field in in quite... I I agree that it feels like that, but I don't think Noah's seen the field other than in that semifinal for quite some time. We played in the Um, Philadelphia game. Because remember, he got the foul and Messi he, covered for him. Yeah, that and that was what, but he came on in the not. He think came on stoppage time, if I'm not mistaken. I guess I have no concept of time, honestly. That's probably <laughs> that's very possible. I just never, I wouldn't have guessed. But Jordi here's Alba here's the thing about Noah Allen. Between Benjamin Kromeshki's 461 minutes, there's a huge gap in between Kromeshki and Noah Allen, who's the next in line for minutes. It's Noah Allen at 261 minutes. A 200-minute difference between Noah Allen and Benjamin Kromeshki, who's up to 461, and then every other player is down after that. The guys like Diego Gomez. You're talking two and a half games. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. Diego Gomez, Facundo Farias, Tomas Aviles. Those are the guys that are just now, like you said, Gian, getting acclimated to this starting role that they're, they're primed to see down the stretch. I do believe you see Fukunda Fadia start. I, I think that what you saw from him coming off the bench was lively, uh, to say the least. He was energetic. He, was he loved yeah. on. He loved being on the ball. He could dribble through anybody. He's the one that I look at and I say, "Oh, Miami are going to have a hard time keeping him." I, I think Miami are going to struggle to keep him around for more than a couple of years because <laughs> he he looks good. But we'll, but we'll see how that plays said. out. That's what we think is good. If you right. get some of those, and they go straight, they go to Europe after a good two year shift. You're going to start seeing bigger talents start to do that. You know exactly. And then with with Sergey Kristov at 733 minutes, a guy like Thomas Aviles could probably step in and maybe play in a back four alongside Kamal Miller. Um, or you use a back three, use Kamal Miller, Noah Allen, and Toto Aviles. I mean, there there are other variations that uh, Tata Martino can play with. Um, and then for Diego Gomez as well, I mean, you've got Arroyo and Kromeshki on this list. at 608 minutes for Arroyo and 461 for Kromeshki. I do agree, though, Gian. Kromeshki is young, should be ready to go. Arroyo just got his rest. Unless there's a lingering injury, he should be able to go in this one. I think Miami would benefit from Dixon Arroyo playing. Um, so there are a lot of rotations that are possible, and this is where the depth comes into play. And right now, you know, in middle to late August, going into September, when things are getting tight in MLS leading up to, you know, decision day, this is where the depth has come into play historically. Uh, and Miami have struggled over the last two seasons to get over the hump. They, they've done it. They've done it once under, or twice under Phil Neville, I guess, or once really. And then they, there was one year where they missed out. But right now it looks like Tata Martino has a side that you can use rotation and still be a competitive team in MLS. This is not the same team that has 18 points in 22 games. It's not at all with all six reinforcements that they brought in the way that other players are starting to play because of the impact of Lionel Messi and, and the rest of them. uh, This is a completely different team. So you have plug and play kind of guys. And we talked about this post game as well. You have plug and play kind of guys where you can tinker with the formation if you need to. But in reality, I think there are some some straight swaps that that kind of work. So we'll see what kind of happens. Um, is there anybody that you guys kind of are hoping is in the starting lineup outside of maybe Lionel Messi? But like in terms of the guys that we've named who haven't played as much, is there someone that you would really want to see against Red Bulls? I would have liked to see um, Noah I- Allen. 
no Allen. Okay. Yeah, I would. I'd like to see um, Aviles and Facundo Farias because I, first of all, I think that I don't think I think obvious Aviles did a pretty good job on Wednesday for being you know thrust into that role um, with the tough with the formation that didn't end up being you know working out. But I think he did a good job. I think you know Kristoff is is not going to be able to. He's not certainly not the forever solution. And I, I agree he's starting. It has to wear and tear and being beat on those one-on-ones. Like it's starting to add up for him, even though he did a lot of great, you know, he gets rid of fires pretty well. But um, I'd like to see that. And then 100% Facundo Farias. I think him, I, I hope Kramashki gets to start. Um, I think Mota and Kramashki would be good because I think what you actually, what they're going to have to try and do is you have to try and, bring some of what Messi brings like in small increments. And so I think that uh, Mota brings the creativity and the not just being, you know, basic, okay, go out to the wing and send it across. He will have some creative ideas to try and keep the defense on their toes. And then funny enough, I think Kramaski has the discipline actually. And the, and the calmness that Messi has in some instances, obviously not to his level, but to be able to, if thing, if everyone, you know, gets a little ahead of themselves, if they have a breakaway, if they need to kind of reset, he actually seems to be really on top of those things. Um, and so I can see a midfield of Arroyo, Kramashki, and Mota being a good start because while I really, I, I think Gomez has a lot of potential, I, I wouldn't want to have, like, I wouldn't want to not have Messi plus have him try to be like Messi. You I know, agree a hundred percent. Yeah. Be a little too ambitious. And yeah. so, I'm good with his ambition when Messi is on the pitch, when Busquets is on the pitch, when, you know, they're not always perfect, but you, you're good with it if you have people who are going to be able to back you up. And I think, well, I think Mota also is sort of similar in that way where he thinks more forward than backward. He at least has, the, I think, the more experience and more calmness to be able to try and pick and choose his moments. And I think if Busquets is off the pitch, Tata will give Mota that instruction to say, hey, relax a little bit play a role that that we really need right now. Don't try and, you know, over-exasperate yourself and, and go f- too forward. And I think Monta has shown that he can be disciplined in that role before, and he could probably accelerate or excel in that again without Sergio Busquets on the fi- on the field. And one thing I want to mention, you did say that you thought Thomas Hevelis had a good game. And I, I do agree that he had a good game. And one thing that I noticed, and I just checked the stats to see if I, I was backed up, is that Thomas Hevelis in that back five was really trying to press the ball forward. And compared to Sergei Kristoff, who played 120 minutes, Thomas Aviles still had more passes into the final third in his 78 minutes played. So over 40 minutes less played for Thomas Aviles had more passes into the final third than Sergei Kristoff. And we've seen how good Kristoff has been at that. He's gotten assist off of it, for Christ's sake. So I think that that's important, especially if they want to be a team that builds out from the back and going against a Red Bull side that likes to press, who might make you uncomfortable. Um, in, in the press if you are holding the ball too long. Uh, and we saw Miami struggle with that against Cincinnati. So I think someone who could be a good option is Thomas Aviles because he's a ball-playing center back that can progress forward, especially with the midfield without Sergio Busquets. Sometimes it's going to have to move at a quicker pace than it would be if in, a, in a slow buildup. So that is definitely uh, an option. And that's something to watch out for too, I think, with New York because you you mentioned it. Like they, they press – normally at, at times but they also press a lot right after losing possession of the ball to yes. get quick recuperation and that's something that we definitely 
did see a lot of forced errors on Inter's side when getting pressed and and not figuring out how to get the ball forward and trying to play the ball back and just losing it there that led to a lot of counters. So I think that's definitely something we're going to have to watch out with uh, with New York is just that quick turnaround. Like we lose the ball. We're not just going to let Inter have it and try to build out. We're going to press you literally right right away as soon as we lose that ball. So that's something that that I definitely think Aviles is going to help with because he's he can even play like a defensive midfielder. He has the ability to play defense but also be able to distribute and also – push the ball forward so that's going to be key and if and if Busquets is sitting I think that's why you see Mota in the game as well because yeah. he's more of the experienced kind of guy in midfield who'll be able to carry somebody like Benjamin Kromeshke if he starts in Dixon Arroyo who's more of the enforcer rather than the passer and the connector yeah. you need somebody in there who, who can make those kinds of plays Jean Mota right now with everything with everybody who's healthy or not on the roster he's probably the insertion over over Sergio Busquets yeah, I yeah, think you right. also you'll see a little bit more defense, a defensive position. I think out of Yedlin to be able to okay. to yeah. use his pace to to help with when it's a counter attacking. And I think you're going to get Robert Taylor starting on the right with a lot of leeway. And basically, like I really think Tata's going to let him cook, like you know. And so yeah, I think you're going to see De- uh, Yedlin back a little, and um, Robbie Taylor forward. I think I think what he's going to try and do is it a four three three then, Ashley? Yeah, I think it's a four three three. Okay. Um, yeah, that's what's I, worked. I hope, right. I hope it's a four-three-three. Three yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't really yeah. like the, the back five. Yeah, where the top three, it's going to be uh, Facundo Farias, it's going to be Campana, and it's going to be Robbie Taylor. I think okay. would be, and with that midfield, we said I think those are ways where you're trying. You're not recreating, obviously, the greatest player to ever play, but you're trying to keep some of the flow and the kind of you know offensive runs and crisp passing things like that that we've started to instill. And when we, we've gone away from that, that's when we've really seen problems. So I think those kind of players try and help appease that a little bit. Yeah, I, I just want to touch on something Ashley said. And I, I just want to say that I agree with you in regards to Yedlin probably playing a bit more back. Just because when we look at New York and the way they play, a, a couple of things on offense – because if we become too offensive and we've got, again, I mean, we talk about this literally every pod, how our fullbacks are literally all the way up and we get killed on the counter. A team like New York likes to likes to push up with a lot of numbers. A lot of times they've got eight on the attack and they leave their two center backs defending. So if we're caught lacking with really small numbers in the back, that's going to be a big issue for us. Not to mention... Red Bull, Red Bull also like to play on the wings very much, and they like to use Tolkien and Harper. They uh, they basically become like wing backs. And man, if our two fullbacks are up top, we're gonna get killed on on those on those sides. And what those two like to do, which is a good news for us, because we we don't do so well with in the aerial de- defending aerial passes as we've seen from that and and, and corners, but. What Token and Harper typically like to do is is attack on the wing and put passes on the ground, and a lot. And usually those passes on the ground are towards like the first post. So you're going to see their center forwards trying to make that a quick run to the to the first post and try to tap it in. So I think that that's something to keep an eye out for. But um, most definitely, I think that that's something that that's going to recognize. And and to what you said, Ashley, probably keep yelling a bit more 
a, a bit more back and and having Arroyo there if Busquets doesn't start is going to be key because we know he he gets very involved in the defense he's a pit bull and he likes to make sure he he's he's in the right spaces he, he doesn't push too high up save big on brunch for mom all in the Kroger app get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for 129 each then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for 249 a pound all with your card and a digital coupon Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. One thing I'll I'll add there is that in this last match against Cincinnati, because they did come out with a back five or with three center back formation, we'll call it. And you saw Jordi Alba and DeAndre Edlin out in the wing. Depending on the position of the ball, when Miami were in possession, they were kind of acting like the, when we talked about this post game, it was very fluid. And you saw a quote unquote back four, depending on if Jordi Alba was raised up the pitch or depending on if DeAndre Edlin was raised up the pitch. And so I think that that is, um, you know, depending on the rotation, what Tata Martino wants to do, if Noah Allen is going to come in as a third center back, if, uh, you know, Kamal Miller is good enough to go, that you have maybe Noah Allen, Thomas Aviles, and Kamal Miller without Sergey Kristoff if he's rotated, then you can play DeAndre Yedlin and Jordi Alba on the wings and just make sure, because I, I really didn't see them get caught out too much against Cincinnati. Granted, Cincinnati don't play, you know, a, a formation where they, attack the wings that that's not what they do. They like to attack up the middle with Luciano Acosta and Brandon Vasquez. Yeah. And that's kind of what you saw. Um, it wasn't until the second half when you had, you know, Alvis Powell get subbed on and he was making those runs from left back or right back, wherever trying to dart through, but throughout the match, that wasn't really a threat, I, I think. And so obviously the personnel is, is definitely one key difference between Red Bulls and Cincinnati, but I thought that they were disciplined enough to not get caught out. And that's kind of making me think that Tata might stay with a back five uh, only because he can use without Lionel Messi, you can use Yedlin or Alba if he's to start for some help going forward. And I also think that with younger, more inexperienced defenders like Noah Allen coming in for possibly Sergey Kristov to get extra help and aid for those dangerous wingers, if they stay disciplined, of course, to stay back, to get the help when John Tolkien comes in and makes that that first um, that first ball, uh, depending it was if it's on the ground to the top box, wherever. I think that the numbers will help um, Miami, and a lot of the times when we've seen Miami get caught out with numbers, it's be, it's been because of the back four, because you see Yedlin push up or Alba push up, and then you're left with two lone center backs and you have to rely on Sergio Busquets or Dixon Arroyo dropping in. And so I think that without risking a a midfielder, granted, we're going to be down Busquets, maybe Arroyo does play and that changes everything. And he is going to be used as a third center back at times, especially when defending in transition, but without Sergio Busquets there, without that kind of key maestro to retain possession and, and not lose it, and give up transitional offense, maybe you do see a back five. Maybe you do see Noah Allen play alongside Aviles and you see a, a kind of like, what do they call those? Uh, slipping my mind, but you just see something rotating back and forth and back and forth, depending on the position pendulum? of the ball. And a pendulum. Exactly. So I, and that's what I see the back line doing, just going back and forth and back and forth. But um, 
Yeah, I just I'm don't want to over, see an overly defensive line, like game plan. Yeah, That's what I don't want. Then for that uh, well, so I, I think that if you go Jordi Alba, Noah Allen, Kamal Miller, Tomas Aviles, and DeAndre Edlin, that's your back five. Then I think, honestly, you just keep Robert Taylor on the bench. You get the midfield three that you guys had just mentioned, and you put Fadias and Campana next to each other. Um, that's kind of how I see it. That hurts my soul. I, I, I just don't like the overly defensive game plan because Miami is a team that thrives with possession. And oh, when we do yeah. that, like we give possession to the other team. And that's just, I, I feel like, uh, I don't know. I just don't like sitting back and waiting for them to attack and then taking what, what they give us. And that's kind of like, I felt like last game played out against Cincinnati, especially more so than anything in the second half. That, that That's yeah. It's like a lot of suffering and, and especially I'm sorry, but I don't think this team that we're facing in New York, it requires a defensive an overly defensive lineup. I don't know. What I do you think? It requires numbers though, in that middle part of the field mm-hmm. to make sure you have triangles to beat the press. That's kind of where my head is at too with that. Is okay. that I think that the, without Sergio Busquets and Messi there to be able to combine off of each other, play passes and and break lines. If you have, you know, eight men in the middle third of the pitch while you're trying to control possession and build up into an attack that is having to endure a a Red Bulls press, whether it was off of a heavy touch or whatnot, then it helps you. And you you just have a numbers advantage. And I think that Red Bulls might try and play a numbers advantage in, midfield and you have to Mm -hmm. go ahead and mitigate that with a numbers advantage of your own i'm not sure that that's how it's going to go that's kind of just where my head yeah this is all guesses right here let me just say that i mean i we're literally coming up with this i hadn't really thought about this before the pod but the more that you guys have you know spewed information my way and your guys's thoughts and how i've been thinking about red bulls this is kind of what's making sense to me especially what we saw against cincinnati you're um, like, you two don't know at all what you're talking about. Let me, yeah. let me show you. Um, and again, head is all over the place because, again, we don't know if Busquets is going to start. We don't know if Messi's going to start. We're kind of, it seems like we're all pretty content with the fact that they're not going to start and Miami have enough to come off the bench to, to get a result. Um, and we're kind of accepting the fact that they won't be there to, to play the first at least 45 minutes. It's, I mean, our, we're under that assumption, it seems like. Um, yeah, I agree. We're trying to figure out, yeah, we're trying to figure out what to do outside of that because we've never had to discuss something like this, not since July 21st. Yeah, and but I would also say that, and this is maybe for people who are listening who are planning on going to the game tomorrow or watching and are nervous or unsure, or, you know, I would say that unless it's like anywhere like four or five nil, either way, Messi's going to be playing the second half. Like it would take, I think, a huge problem like a huge swing either way for him not to play so you know I think you will see people who are going and etc like you will see he will play in New York he will he will get his minutes um hopefully we're winning and he gets to kind of come in in the 70th minute um but like I said unless it's a landslide I I can't imagine there's a situation where he doesn't play at least 30 minutes and there was another interesting quote from Tata Martino uh, from the hotel today where they did the press conference and he was asked about the outside influence aka fans paying ridiculous prices to get into an away match or well a home match for them but just a match away from south florida um, and if that affects his decision on whether or not to play Messi. direct quote 
I understand the expectations the rest of the world has to watch him, and that is undeniable. It is like that wherever he plays, but I cannot act based on that because then I would risk doing things wrong. That was an end quote. So I think that there is a level of not necessarily concern, but they are going to be conservative with Lionel Messi. And I think that there were some other quotes that I saw that it would go like this in, into 2024 as well. Is he going to be able to play a 50-game season with CONCACAF Champions Cup, Leagues Cup, U.S. Open Cup, and MLS next season? Playoffs maybe included, maybe up to 60 games in a calendar year at his age, at his level. That's not something you really want to risk. You want to be put into the positions to obviously win tournaments and Luckily, Miami are there right now um, other than an MLS and they've already won one and now they're in a final and another. So it's now just taking priority over the longevity of the player, making sure he can see out the two and a half years comfortably and, and going from there. So again, he might not start, but as Ashley had just mentioned, I still think you, depending on the, the, the way the game is going, you still see him appear in this one. Yeah, I do. I I think that that is going to do what's best for the team. At the end of the day, is it's uh, he's cognizant of the fact that the fans want to see him. Um, he's cognizant of the fact that the TV ratings depend. Like he knows all this stuff, but at this, I don't think he gives it that much importance. He wants to make sure that he gets his job done, and that's to make Inter Miami a successful team and keep his players healthy and not overexert them. But one of the things, as you as we're talking about this, and I I wonder because MLS is a lot different than a lot of the leagues in the world, the way it's run, the way it's structured. And it almost reminds me of what we've seen like in the NBA where teams sit players out, right? Exactly. Teams sit players out for marquee games, maybe a Christmas Day game, maybe a Thanksgiving game. And the league has stepped in and said, hey, you you can't be doing that. So with with Adidas, with Apple TV being involved and everybody getting to with the MLS trying to make this messy acquisition, making it uh, possible for um, uh, for Miami. And maybe Ashley could talk on this because she's uh, more of an expert than me on this thing. I, I just, like, what are your thoughts? I wonder if the MLS would even step, step in or, I mean, I don't know how much that even matters. Again, two different leagues, but it's yeah. just something interesting to think about. Well, I would say that I think that there is, I'd be shocked if there wasn't something in the agreement, in his agreement and just the MLS Apple, like that play, like you have to play a certain percentage of overall game time, um, maybe 60 or 70, like something in that window that unless there's an injury, uh, you have to play X amount, um, but it's certainly not 100. And yeah, I mean, he's so far played pretty close to 100. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think that there's like, in terms of how they're going to plan it for the next year and things like that, I think you're going to see that he's going to play in almost every single game, how much he plays in every single game, I think would differ. I think you're going to, I would say that you, you'll see him for at least 20 minutes in almost every single game. I think, you know, unless there's like a big, like a rest or international or some, you know, certain little things like, yeah, they can get away with, but yeah, that's that would be my prediction is that there's a percentage that they have to a threshold to meet in order to get X amount of like for him to get X amount of money for him to yeah. get X amount of subscription revenue, MLS, the league, etc. Well, let me hit you guys with a bit of reality is and the reality is Miami are in 15th place on 18 points and it would 
only makes sense for Messi to play in 100% of the games if they want a realistic <laughs> chance at making the playoffs. Um, <laughs> let's let's talk about this and 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 kind of where you think they they stand in terms of the playoff push and if it's a reachable goal. So 18 points, 15th place, their last in the in the Eastern Conference. They have to make it up to ninth. And in ninth place right now is Chicago, who they do have one game against. It will be played at Soldier Field in October on 32 points. So a 14-point gap between ninth and 15th place. However, Miami do have two games in hand on most teams above, two or more. The only team that they don't have two games in hand on are Charlotte FC. They only have one game in hand, but they do play Charlotte FC twice down the stretch, the one game that got postponed and the last game of the season. So in reality, they can go ahead and make up points there. New York Red Bulls sit in 11th place on 29 points, so just three points outside of Chicago and for that ninth place spot. And what I said to Gian in the postgame show was that games in MLS, one on the road, are the most valuable. And the reason why that is, is because not only is it the most hard to come by in Major League Soccer, every single team struggles winning on the road. I think right now, actually, other than Orlando, I think they have the best um, away record, at least in the Eastern Conference. Most teams do struggle to win on the road, but Drive Think Stadium has voted really well for Miami, even when they were struggling in terms of getting results. So I'm not going to necessarily chalk up every single home result to Miami and say they're going to win them all. But I'm pretty I'm a lot more confident in those games than I am the games on the road. So not only is this game valuable because you're playing on the road, but you're playing a direct competitor in New York Red Bulls who sit four places above you and you're trying to make up ground. 11 points behind this team, 11, which is a lot. And that 11 points behind 11th place, not even ninth. In reality, no matter what, this playoff push comes down to the final two maybe last game of the season. It, it Mathematically, that is the only way it happens um, because there are 12 games. They can get up to about 54 points if they win every single game in regulation, no ties at all. And that might not even be enough to get a home playoff spot because when you look at a team like Cincinnati, who's already on 51 points at first place in the East, 54 kind of just puts you middle of the road. Um, and that's why winning every single game. Over the last like three seasons, I believe the number is the average for the final spot in MLS playoffs, or at least in ninth or eighth place, has been 45 points. So, you know, you're you're 27 points away. And that's why I've said over the course of the history of the show is that nine out of the 12 games are what Miami really needs to win, but still leaves a very small margin for error. That's not counting ties. It's nine straight wins out of 12. They, they need to hit that threshold just to have a chance at breaking into the playoffs. Luckily it's been expanded instead of seven teams. It's now nine with the play in game and whatnot, but it's going to be tough. And so I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts on how Miami, other than this game, because of course there is the shortest break that they'll have. It's only two days, but other than this game, how do you as a manager, as an organization, look at this and say, do we just stop caring or do we really want to go ahead and, and make this push? Is it worth it to take the risk and make this push at the playoffs? And after Saturday, what should be the plan going forward? I, I think that I think that it's doable, although very difficult. And I think that one thing that they have to do in order to make sure that they don't kind of um, 
I guess overexert themselves or, or let it take over them psychologically is just take it one game at a time. Because when you really look at the entire picture, it could be a bit daunting to think, hey, man, we're down 14 points. We've got to win, like you said, like nine out of 12. That's, I don't know if anybody's done that before or made a playoff push that incredible right at the end, but it could be daunting. And, and, and soccer is a game, not only a physical game, but it's a psychological game. And you got to make sure that when you go into every game that, you know, you just focus on that one, what's at hand, try to get the win and they have to be nearly perfect. But I think that from what we've seen, sheesh, they look pretty nearly perfect so far. So I don't, I don't think that it's something uh, impossible. I think that they're going to, man, they've got their work cut out for them. They're going to have to deal with switching uh, teams at time or, or switching personnel at times for rest purposes sometimes for world cup uh, call outs i know that argentina plays ecuador actually coming up in september so uh, you know argentina is going to have their their camp and and their game as well so we might miss have some uh messy a messy game that we you know where he's or game rather where messi is not playing so those are things to take into consideration but i think that one of the uh, you know i think that Again, just taking it one game at a time until what you had mentioned before, Austin, is also, yeah, you know, there's going to be teams that are on their way or, or that aren't in that playoff spot. And those are the teams that you want to focus on making sure that you you jump ahead of. Those are the teams that, as you said, it's not just three points. It's basically like gaining six points because you're taking away three points from those teams that are ahead of you that are out of a playoff spot. And then you're gaining three more. Right. So those are going to be some of the most important games because you and me had discussed, like, what are the games where you're going to be like, OK, maybe we can sit some 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 players out. Maybe we can, uh, you know, tinker the lineups. And especially because you have games in hand. That's exactly. Yeah. You have yeah. Two, you've got two extra from these teams. Exactly. Exactly. You have some games in hand. So you want to make sure that you're very. And this is something that is going to have to do is be very strategic. When do I tinker the lineup? When don't I? When do I have them rest? That sort of thing. So uh, just to kind of to end is I think we're good. I, I think we can make it. I think that it's going to be difficult. And some of the most difficult things are, are, I think are the sweetest at the end. And, uh, and lastly, how can you not dream about the leagues cup, a U.S. open cup final coming up and, uh, getting to the playoffs is, it would be just insane. And then just throw, if you get into the playoffs, man, you got a treble, opportunity there i i don't want to get i don't want to jinx myself or get too <laughs> ahead of it so i'm going to stop right here okay <laughs> i i um i feel similarly i think that they're going to keep making it competitive because it's good for the league it's good for the team it's good for the culture um i would be very surprised if they didn't make the play in to be honest with you like i wow. think they'll i think they could be the ninth or eighth team i don't think they're going to get i don't think they'll be a top four but and I mean again, there's a lot of factors we don't know about. Um, but I, I'll just that's all I'll say is I think I'd be very surprised if they didn't make the top nine. And and you know there's a lot of quality on this team now, and the more time they have to figure it out, the better. So I think we're going to continue to get stronger. And it's about I think that like these next few fixtures that we have away with New York home against Nashville, these are really big games to be able to you know, help with the trajectory of us, like continuing on that playoff push, giving all players in the rotation um, confidence, et cetera. 
With all of that said, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Inter Miami and Lionel Messi finally getting to return, or at least for Inter Miami return, but Lionel Messi will take part in his first ever MLS action on Saturday night against New York Red Bulls away from home at Red Bull Arena, 7.30 p.m. on Apple TV. Uh, You definitely won't want to miss it if he does start, if he comes off the bench. Uh, We'll see if all of our takes have been invalidated in about now, 24 hours the exact time. same starting lineup <laughs> <laughs> exactly we'll be we like well never mind <laughs> <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen but again thank you so much for listening if you haven't already make sure you follow us on twitter at messi and co uh we're tweeting out all of our podcast content and live tweeting throughout the games as well uh so if you want anything you don't want to miss it it's all there uh and if you're listening on any podcast platform whether it's apple spotify google etc Make sure you follow the show, rate the show, and leave us your comments on Twitter because we can get to those as well. And if you're watching on YouTube, Five Reasons Sports Network, make sure you subscribe, turn on the notifications, like the video. Um, And for Ashley, for Gian, and myself, everybody at Messi & Co. and Five Reasons Sports, we will see you after the game uh, from our desktops. Uh, uh, And depending on the result, we'll be in a great mood or or a little bit lesser (laughs) of a mood. Um, But thank you so much for listening, everybody, and we'll see you guys next time. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.